Hear the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 32. Um, Much like last week, this is not the passage I'm preaching on. I'm preaching on the one right after this. But this passage is absolutely essential for the next one. So as you listen to this, just kind of keep in mind what's going on here, and we'll go back to it as we're studying our passage. Mark chapter 10, verse 32. They were on their way up to Jerusalem, with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let's pray. Father, as we look at your word together, help us to have open hearts and minds. Let us receive, Lord. We know that you speak to us through your word and by the power of your spirit. And so this morning, will you do that and help us to be receptive, that we might become more like Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So I want to start this morning with a visual, which is, hold on just a second, which is not the best for the recording, um, but I will attempt to explain things. Um, I just have a couple pictures for you, and I want you to see them and see your reaction. Go ahead. Do you see where he's at? So here's a prisoner in jail with a psychiatrist saying, you should try and get out more. Next one. You've got a man sitting next to an extraterrestrial saying, have you ever felt like the world doesn't know you exist? Last. That sign says, last chance to tell your bomb joke with an airport sign. All right. Why do I show those to you? You know the phrase, read the room? Ever had anybody, maybe yourself at some point, who did a very poor job at that? Um, The first one in particular, the psychiatrist saying, you should get out more to the guy who's in prison. Um, Not reading the room. Not being aware of what is going on around you. Maybe it's with people or a circumstance, but you do something that this is just, you missed it. You really missed it. And This morning, the passage we're going to look at, James and John in particular, have two really big misreads. They don't read the moment right, 
and they don't read the mission of Christ right. And together, I would make the argument, they misread the Christian faith. I don't want us to do the same thing. That's our passage this morning. Open up your Bible, if you would, to Mark chapter 10. It's on page 1442. Mark chapter 10. Page 1442. To just paint this picture for you. Jesus is heading toward Jerusalem, and this is the journey that everything has been leading towards. So he has had lots of ministry, up to around three years of it, and he's heading toward Jerusalem. With him are the 12 disciples, and then others, probably people who have been following him around. Now, everyone has some idea that where Jesus is going is the very place where the leaders have said we want to kill him. So part of this, the amazement of the disciples and then the fear of the others is likely related at least partly to we're going to Jerusalem, but Jesus is leading them to Jerusalem. And in the middle of that, he calls the disciples, the 12, away from the rest, and he says to them for a third time, but this time with a little more detail, I am going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be handed over, condemned to die, and I will be spit upon, I will be flogged, I will be killed. That's what he tells them. And then they keep going on the journey. So just have that in mind, and here's what happens. James and John really misread this moment. Verse 35, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. You just imagine this moment? (laughs) He has just expressed to them everything he is about to go through. And their response is to slip away from the other 12 to come up to Jesus and to go, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And if you're not kind of shaking your head going, oh my gosh, like what? They really misread this moment. Right? Now, what should have happened, we think, is maybe they slipped away to go, wow, Lord, we can't believe you're about to go through this. Like, we want to stand with you. We are so sorry. We are just, like, somehow in that moment. And yet, they're doing this. Why? We don't have an actual reason given, but I'm going to speculate based on some of the background we have on these two guys. Right? If you go look up, how do I learn to read a room? You will see so many articles with various steps and all of these experts helping you learn how to read a room. There is one fundamental thing 
that ties most of their advice together. Where you put your attention will determine how you act. They are putting their attention in a certain spot. And because of it, they are responding to Jesus in a certain way. Where are they putting it? Hey, let's talk about these two guys for a minute. First, they are part of the 12. They have a very special place with Jesus. He prayed all night and then came and called these two guys to be part of his 12. And even right now, there's a group of disciples walking around. There's the 12 that are called out in the text and everyone else. But James and John aren't just part of the 12. They are part of an inner circle of three people who are leaders within Peter, James, and John. Those three guys get called to the side a couple of different times by Jesus in very key moments. However, one of the three has just royally screwed up. He just got rebuked by Jesus because he said, you're the Christ. And Jesus said, I'm going to have to suffer. And Peter goes, no, you're not. And Jesus goes, get behind me, Satan. So he's just been rebuked. That only leaves two out of the three. Not only that, James and John have multiple fishing boats. Do you know what that means about their family? They are likely wealthier than most of the other disciples. They are used to being held in a certain light within their society. And in the passage we just finished a little while ago, Peter said, we've given up everything, Lord. What will we get? And Jesus said, you're going to get hugely rewarded for that. Who's given up more than anyone? Probably James and John, because they had an entire family inheritance they might have gotten. So here are two young boys. Well, they're not boys, but they're young men. Um, And young men and young boys are pretty similar when it comes to mentality. Two young guys, part of the inner circle, part of the 12, wealthy, everything else, who are focused where? On themselves. We deserve this. There's a certain amount of entitlement. Some of it might be deserved in certain ways, but there's a certain arrogance, entitlement, as they come up and they say, do for us what we ask. Not only are they focused on them, they're also focused on the future. Notice in that moment what they're asking for. When you come in your kingdom, do this for us. Here's what they miss. They miss the opportunity in that moment to do something for someone else who's going through something difficult in that moment. How many times have we done that? Just ask yourself, how many times have you walked into a room and somebody probably could have used you saying, hey, are you okay? And you didn't find out till later on. And if you thought back about it, it's because you were just focused on you. I want to get this. I want to get that. I need this thing over here. I'm really ticked about this right now. Didn't even notice that other person. Because if the attention is on me, it's really hard for me to notice you. But there's a second thing they missed an opportunity for. And please hear this. Because every one of us in this room, we have moments. Sometimes they're hard. Sometimes they're just normal parts of our life. Sometimes it's a really joyful thing. And I would say, especially in the hard ones, how often are we doing this? Lord, 
what do you want from me in this moment? Lord, how would you have me respond to this? I know what I want to do because I'm, if it's happy, this great thing has happened, or if it's really hard, I'm really upset about this, whatever it would be. But how many times do we stop and go, Lord, what do you want from me in this moment? They didn't, (laughs) clearly. As they were walking up to Jesus, okay, Lord, as we come up to our Savior here who is getting ready to suffer so much, what do you want us to do? They missed an opportunity because their focus was on them and on the future instead of on the moment. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've been guilty of that. (laughs) And here's a picture for you. So by now, most of you, if not all of you know, I have two dogs. I have one little one. I have one big one. The little dog likes to get on the back of the couch. It's where he likes to lay. And he lays towards the edge so he can look toward the front door. And when he looks at the front door, we have glass on the top part and then wood. So you can see out. Well, he will be sitting there and all of a sudden he'll be like, and we'll like go look for, no, there's no mailman. There's no UPS driver. There's nothing out there. Well, our big dog who is not sitting on the back of the couch. That would be awkward. She's so large. Instead, she's back here, and she goes, woof. And then when he hears her, he gets louder. Woof. And then she hears him, and she gets louder. And then all of a sudden, he's like, and then she's like, and this is a back and forth thing. And do you know what she's doing the entire time? She's just looking at him. She's not even trying to look out the door. She's looking at him and responding to what he's doing. And then when you go look, he can't see anything either. (laughs) There's nothing out there. But where your attention is, is what determines how you respond. Whether it's real or not real, or whether it's the best thing or not, as in the case of these guys, or I would say all of us. How many times have you just screwed the moment up? And if you look back, it would be because your focus wasn't on the right things. Because where you put your attention is is what you're going to do. So they misread the moment. But even bigger than that, they misread the entire mission of Jesus. He asks in this question, can you be baptized with my baptism? Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? And they're like, we can. Do you know why they say that? Because they do not get what Jesus is going to go through or why he's here. And it's why he responds the way he does ultimately. So look back at verse 39. We can. We can do this because we're warriors. Because you're going to take over the Roman Empire and we're going to rule. That's their thinking. That's why they ask, can we be on your right and left? We're going to Jerusalem. You're going to kick the Romans out and we're going to be in charge. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. Um, In both cases, that cup that he mentions is the wrath of God being poured out on him. It's not going to be what they drink, but it ends in death. All the disciples will end up dying for their faith in one way or another. Either martyrdom or John, who may have just died of old age, but in exile. They're all going to die for their faith. So Jesus says, you're going to. Um, 
But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared. Verse 41 should be like, yeah, we should all get this. We should be on the side of the ten if we're not thinking too clearly. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with with James and John. I mean, just think about it. You've been traveling with 12 guys for up to three years, doing ministry together, learning from Jesus, and then two of them slip off without the rest of you knowing, and they're like, hey, Jesus, let us sit at your right and your left. Ignore the other ten. I mean, yes, they're indignant by this. Of course they are. Look at Jesus' response. Jesus called them together and he said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Here's what he's describing. This is how the world runs. People in authority, they lord it over people who aren't in authority. People who have power, they exercise that power to get what they want. Exactly what James and John were trying to do. We're part of the inner circle. We're the wealthy ones. Peter's lost his opportunity. We're going to exercise what we have as our authority. We want to be at your right and your left. They are acting like the world, the culture. And the ten in their response, they're not upset because of what James and John did. They're upset because it was done and it would be done to them. They're not like, oh, James and John, that's not how we live. That's not how we follow Jesus. I can't believe you would do that for all this time. No, it's how dare you got to him before I did. They all have the same attitude, power, and we're going to use it. And yet Jesus says this, not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. And this is back to that language, the first will be last, last will be first that he's been using. But look up at me for a minute. Don't look at your text. Just look at me. This is really radical teaching. I mean, it's teaching that I know you've heard, I've heard. But when we think about this, Of all people in this scene and on the planet during this time, who most deserves to exercise authority, to have his needs met, to tell people what to do and not to do, to demand whatever he wants. And he says instead, in his words, verse 45, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is like, I'm trying to turn upside down what you think. That the way I want you to respond, the, what it means to be a citizen of heaven, is that you are in this world, but you're not acting like this world. You're doing something different by not taking your citizenship here. Instead, by doing it up there. Um, I read this story just a couple days ago. Um, There's a gentleman who just won a baguette contest in France. Every year, 
for the last 30 years, they've done this contest. You can go ahead and put his picture up. Um, they've done this contest. And there were 127 entries. Do you know what the winner gets? You serve Macron. You serve the president of France your baguettes for all of 2024. That's what he eats. Your baguettes. <laughs> he won. The first time someone who is not French won the French baguette contest. <laughs> this is a national French contest. He's from Sri Lanka. He has been in France for 17 years. He didn't come as a baker. He learned to bake. <laughs> and here's the thing. He is not a French citizen. He has never gotten his citizenship in France. He is making a difference at the highest levels, but he's not a French citizen. In a way, that's what we're called to. Not to do things the way this world does, not to think of being a citizen here, but to be a citizen there in heaven, but to affect everything around us to affect the highest levels. How do you be a citizen of heaven? Just, you serve. Who did Jesus serve? He served his followers. He served his enemies. He served people who the society rejected. He acted as a servant for everyone. It's what he did. What would that look like in our lives? Instead of demanding our rights, we sought to serve the people around us. Because if we don't do that, we are missing or misreading the very mission of Christianity. Jesus overcame sin, death, and the devil by giving his life. Not by raising a sword, which he could have done, not by just going, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. I'm taking over the devil. I won. He has the power. He's God. He overcame by giving his life. He overcame by kneeling and washing his disciples' feet. He overcame by people mocking him and making fun of him for all kinds of things because he decided to serve the people nobody else would. He's telling them, stop vying for authority. And if you have it, stop exercising it at other people's expense. Serve them. What would it look like to be a servant? Here's one of the things that happens all the time in Christianity. All the time. And I'm going to give you a little illustration and then tell you what it is. So a couple of days ago, a flock of sheep in Greece were moved out of their normal area of eating because of the floods. And they ended up finding a greenhouse full of vegetation. And they got in that greenhouse and they chomped down. And they ate 600 pounds of pot. <laughs> According to those who saw the sheep afterwards, they were jumping higher than goats. <laughs> It was not the outcome they expected <laughs> because they thought they were doing one thing and they were doing something very different. If you are living Christianity according to citizenship in the world, 
I guarantee you, you are being disappointed in your Christian faith. Because that's not what we're called to. If you are expecting to treat people in the same way the world does and somehow God's going to bless that and just like give you everything you want, you are James and John. But you're not going to get what you want because that is not the way the Christian life works. We're called to be servants. We're called to see others, to put our attention on them. Does that mean we do no self-care? Does that mean we don't care about the stuff we're going through? No. But far too often, that's the only thing we're concerned about, what we are going through. And we miss what others are going through. And we miss moments because we care so much about the future. Sometimes things are really bad in the present. I've been in those situations. And all we can think of is it's going to get better out there. Well, if that's all we do, we're going to miss what God can do right here. Are we asking him, God, what do you want? What do you want to do? And are we trying to serve? Because that is what Jesus came to do, and it's what he wants his followers to do. And if we don't, well, I will end with this. Because I told my wife I was going to. So last night, we're eating dinner. And that little dog that, like, there's nothing out the window when he barks at it, this is, it's dark outside. The little dog walks up to the sliding glass door next to our table, and he starts going, which is his little growl. And we're looking, and Aaron goes, he's growling at his own reflection. <laughs> and we're like, he is. No, wait, no, 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 wait, maybe. So you can kind of see the rest of the family sitting at the table. Wait, maybe he's growling at Aaron, because you can see that, and he's not sure who she is in the reflection. So we pulled the curtain closed, and my son is looking. He goes, nope, you can't see anything. You can only see your own reflection. It's definitely, he's growling at himself. He's growling at his own reflection. We spend way too much time looking at ourselves, growling at our own stuff, grumbling about all the things that we don't have and and far too little time saying, Lord, what do you want? Lord, how can I serve? You've given everything. How do I follow like that? Let's pray. Father, help us to live in the moment even as we find encouragement and strength that you're coming back. But help us to live now. Help us to enjoy what you've given us. Help us to see the needs of others. Help us to be servants that we might walk in the steps of Jesus and see the kind of life that he has for us. Lord, help us to be like him. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.